Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see all your faces this morning, and um, I'm excited to continue on in in the book of Psalms in Psalm 121. And before I do, just want to share a couple of things with you. Um, One, if and most of you who who knew Grace Mitchick um, know that she's gone home to be with the Lord. And this is Grace's section over here, her area. And, and um, yeah, right, right, where, right where you're waving. That's right. And um, Grace was a woman of God, you know. And, and she uh, went home to be with the Lord. And she's doing just fine now. Wouldn't you agree with me? Um, she had, had suffered um, with some bouts with, with health and... and um, and I, I remember the, the last time I went to visit her, and, and I was sharing this um, with somebody recently, and I said, you know, Grace isn't doing well. You should get over to the house. Her, her days are close. And so, you know, you kind of gear up to, to be a, a source of comfort and just to be a listening ear. And I walked through the door, and there's Grace sitting on the edge of her bed with a bow in her hair going, hi, Pastor Danny. And we had the most beautiful visit. We spent a lot of time, and Dan and Charlene were there, and we just talked and laughed and enjoyed one another's company and and boasted about the goodness of God. And I tell you that um, there was a a woman who was ready to meet Jesus, who was ready and and looking forward to seeing her Savior. And so we're going to celebrate her life um, on June the 4th, not this coming Sunday, which is Jubilee, but the following Sunday, June the 4th, after our service. So you're welcome to join. And keep an eye on those emails and things. We'll, We'll send something your way with details about that, but I wanted to get the word out and get that moving in your minds. Um, And it is a celebration of life, isn't it, when someone gets to be with Jesus? Um, So amen to that. Um, Guys, when we were watching, do you remember, we were watching the Francis Chan video in here, and Francis Chan was taking us through um, these sections of Jesus' last words, and he had this statement, and you you guys know who Francis Chan is. He can say things like so, um, he says it with such a smile and just like cuts you to the quick. And he was talking about the reality of being with Jesus. And he was saying, like, man, we should wake up every day going, today I could die. Like, it could be today. Like, this exciting moment. So, um, so th- there's, there's a reason that believers have that. And, uh, and, and so, at any rate. Um, secondly, uh, just a cool story. Um, you know that there's... Uh, this church is just incredibly generous, as we're, we tell you all the time, but um, just the heart that we have for the community, a heart that we have for, um, for our school right over here, Fairhaven Elementary School, um, the relationship that started with Karen, who we inherited through that relationship, so we're so grateful, um, who was the, the principal. Uh, I almost called you the president. That would, maybe we ought to change, no, no. She's like, I don't want to be that. Um, but, but now that relationship has gone on to the current principal, and, and it was a teacher's appreciation week, and we got a call saying, hey, could you do something to appreciate the teachers? And we're like, yes, that's our jam. We do this. And so um, our team was amazing and got together and went over there and decorated and, and brought in food from Panini Kebab because we don't bring in cheese ball food. We bring in, like, the best for the teachers. And, and man, to see these teachers walk in, we, um, we got music going and everything, and just such joy. Um, first, like, like, what's going on, you know? Because, like, they're teachers, and they're just kind of at the edge of, of um, the end of the year, and, and just a little on edge, and they're like, oh, somebody loves us. Like, somebody got us good food. And then it just went to, like, giddy time, right? They got all giddy about it. And so I want to share that with you because that's not something that you would be able to know about unless I told you. And that's an extension of your grace and your goodness. And, and yeah, so. <clears throat> so secondly, um, we had this meeting this week, um, Joel, Abby, and I. And you know Joel and Abby, they're our student ministries directors who do amazing, amazing, amazing work. Um, <clears throat> 
we had this meeting with the area director of Young Life. If you're familiar with, been around church for a while, you know Young Life um, is a ministry to schools and, and college campuses. And um, Lydia is her first name, and she is the director of the area and working closely at Orange High School right down the street, has a work at Chapman University and one on the, you know, on the horizon for uh, Villa Park. And what Young Life does, I like this motto, is they say, we don't ask kids to come to our stuff, we go to their stuff. They go, to, for, I mean, Lydia's been there for like four years, is that right? For four years since she was herself a student at Chapman University, has been going to games and band stuff and buying these kids lunch and food and hanging out with them and just building relationship. And then the culminating thing throughout the year is um, they, they lead up to a big camp that they all go to. And it's like not like a little camp. It's like a big camp with all like the cool stuff. If you've ever been to Hume Lake or those kind of places, it's like a big deal. And, um, and so at any rate, um, they're coming to, the, uh, to that season in camps. And some of the kids at, at Orange High School, in order to go to this camp, it's like 500 bucks it's, it's, or more. It's expensive, right? And they, because they have all the cool zip lines and whatever else that you do that's fun that costs a lot of money. So anyways, um, she was just sharing about, she was showing us pictures of all these kids that are going and then asked, hey, would, would you as a church want to... Um, want to sponsor any of these kids to go. No pressure, right? Just threw it out there. And we're like, yeah, we would, of course, we would love to sponsor these kids. And so um, we stepped up and said, well, we'll sponsor a couple of them. And then um, I was just, she said, okay, well, here's the whole group. And there were, I think, about six campers completely, or some six of the boys. There's boys and girls. The girls already had their fundraising done, and the boys were, um, were still working on a little bit. And <laughs> it is, so... Um, I said, well, okay, so if we step up to that, then what's your balance? Like, if to send all these kids to camp, what's your balance? And so she says, from the money we raise, and we pulled up the number. She says, it's like 2500 bucks." And so he said, okay, cool. Well, you know, we're, we're in for these two kids. And right as we're leaving, I didn't want to say anything, but as we're leaving, I'm like, we should help send all these kids. Like, why can't we just help her? And so we walked down the stairs, and I asked Joel and Abby, I said, how much money is left over from all that money we collected to go to Mexico? Guess how much? 2,500 bucks. It's a theme, right? It's like a theme lately where God, the more that you just like, just want to be generous and give, it's like the fish and loaves. He provides all that we need and then there's more for others. And so unless anyone has a, a, a big problem with that, if you've given towards it, I don't think you would have a problem with it. But if you're like, no, I want my money to go directly to Mexico, then just let us know. But otherwise, if you gave towards that, we would like to take that remaining $2,500 and send six boys to camp along with the girl. They're, they're juniors and seniors. Some know the Lord and some don't. But this is an opportunity where many of them profess their faith in Christ. And so we want to get behind it. So for $2,500, we're going to do it. Is that okay? All right. I think, um, I think somehow in Robert's rules of order, that meant yes. So, right, David, am I okay? All right, David says yes. Good. So good stuff happening, and we're grateful to be a part of it. Um, would you turn your Bibles to Psalm 121? I've got a little bit of time remaining, and I, I do want to share what the Lord's laid on my heart um, in this psalm. It's one of my favorite psalms. Um, I, I, I enjoy the psalm. I enjoy 
the, the reality of the psalm, but I don't know that I ever spent so much time really thinking about the psalm. And sort of the tone of, of our service so far and the song that we just sang really speaks to what I think the main meaning of this psalm is. And we've been in this series uh, with the Psalms of Ascents, which is this journey um, into the presence of God. And historically, maybe for those that weren't here last week, we set it up a little bit, but the, the psalms, these, these 15 psalms that correspond with the journey that the children of Israel would take three times a year from wherever they were living. They would gather together in Jerusalem. And so for wherever they were, Jerusalem was the highest place. So it was an ascent. And there's some metaphor that's also involved with that as well. That how many of you know that your walk with God and the things that we endure in this life is an ascent, right? Does anything feel a little uphill for you lately? That you, you recognize the change in altitude and you tell yourself as you're taking that hike, as you're taking that ascent, you're realizing that, what, it's going to be worth it. The view from up there is going to be amazing. That when you, when you make that, that journey, you know that if it's a little bit difficult, you're probably doing something right. And so in this Psalms of Ascents, they, they would take this pilgrimage three times a year, once for Passover, once for um, Pentecost and the final one for the Feast of Tabernacles. These were, these were spiritual feasts for the children of Israel. They corresponded with an opportunity for them to, to reaffirm their faith in God, to, to make atonement for the sins that they've committed. And they were also agricultural. So it was the time of planting. It was the first fruit season of harvest. And then it was the second and last harvest of the season. And so the, the point of me sharing all this is to say this was their routine and this was their rhythm. And can you imagine that for every able-bodied person at three times a year, you're like, okay, this is, we got to refocus. we got to recalibrate. We're not just spiritual tourists, right? And so we used that terminology last week from, from Eugene Peterson, that we're not just spiritual tourists who, who want to go to see like the spiritual heights or to, to see the best of the best and then get back to our, our, our normal life as we know it. We want to be pilgrims who are on a journey with him. And this is like, again, the, the, the background of what we gave last week. And so the, the first psalm that we read, Psalm 120, was about um, the contrast. It was about leaving something for something else. It was identifying the place that the pilgrim was at. And the place that they said was not like, it was like, man, I just want peace. And as soon as I say it, everybody wants war, right? That everybody lies and I'm sick of these lies. It was a place of like just chaos and there was barbarians and this kind of vibe that you get as you read it. And so if you just read that psalm standalone, you'd be like, wow. <laughs> it, was, it was about distress and difficulty. And that first psalm is important because as we said, we are leaving somewhere to go somewhere else. And how many of you know that in any journey, and certainly for these, that the journey has danger that's involved with it? That if we look at, at their situation, if you're traveling in groups through, through the desert lands, you're traveling in such a way that people know you're bringing stuff with you to offer, so you've got some wealth with you. You're vulnerable because you're out in the middle of nowhere. And, and people could prey on you and come and steal your stuff while you're sleeping or, you know, hurt you, kill you, keep you out there, whatever else. And so this was the mentality. And as we take that into our lives in Christ, there are, there are times in our lives where we have to take a step back and go, this is not for the faint at heart. This stuff is literally dangerous. And if you just leave it there, you're like, well, why would I do it? 
And again, as I said each week, thank you. God bless you. May the Lord add a blessing to the radio. Peace out. No. Why would we follow him? And this, is the, this begins the, the thought process for us and as, as disciples of Christ to, to realize that, that while we experience hardship, while we experience difficulty, while we, is because we're not made for this place, that we're on a journey, we're going through something. And there's so many rich promises that in the midst of danger, that we have one who watches over us, our helper, the maker of heaven and earth. And so, um, so as we get into it, I just want to read this psalm to you. And, um, and then we'll talk, about, we'll talk about it. So here we go. Psalm 121. And then, uh, along the theme of Psalm 121, if the theme for Psalm 120 was about leaving somewhere and going somewhere else, and the word we used for that was repentance, right? Remember, repentance isn't getting caught. Repentance is getting free. So repentance is to go, I'm leaving a, a, a behavior. I'm leaving a sin. I'm leaving uh, my life for something better pointing myself towards God and his purposes for my life. And so if, if, if Psalm 120 was about providence, Psalm 121, or excuse me, about, um, about repentance, Psalm 121 is about providence, right? And providence is not a, a hospital or um, the bill that you have sitting at home, providence. I had, to, I had to say that because sometimes words take on new meanings. I thought that was funnier than, um, I thought it was going to come off a little funnier than it did, but you know, you know, providence. Providence means something theological. Providence means it's God, God's working in, in his creation for his purposes. That God's there and he's doing stuff. That God has providentially gone before you and he knows outcomes. He knows how all things will work together. Aren't you grateful for that? With providence, though, comes the necessity for faith. Like, you really have to trust God. Because when you're in the middle of danger, when you're in the middle of difficulty, it doesn't feel like anything is going right. It feels like what? I still find joy in chaos. Like it, sounds, it feels like that. It feels like instability. But these pilgrims were brought back to the reality of a God who was a helper. A God who was providentially involved in every aspect of their lives. And so, should we read it? Thank you. Scott said we should, so we're doing it. Psalm 121 says this. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade at your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. There's a lot of promise in there. And again, remember, these are songs that were sung. This is their playlist as they traveled three times a year from their spot up to Jerusalem, they would be singing these songs, and these songs get, get burnt into their brains and in their thinking. You ever wake up with a song? You ever wake up at you with a song you wish you didn't wake up with that doesn't get out of your head? I won't make any suggestions, but you know, 
but, but that's the power of music. That's the power of memorization. And so in, in their minds, they're, they're going, oh, yeah. And they've sang this song for year after year after year. And they're just making their way. They're early in their journey. And maybe when that sense of fear creeps in a little, they're like, that's right. We got a helper, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, there's significance to this, though. Because when you're traveling in the desert surrounded by hills, the hills represent something. And there's two theories about this that scholars would, would bring to the table. The first one is that as you're looking to the hills, that that would be the, the high ground, the strategic ground, that that's where you would place sentries or security forces, that if you're going to have yourselves watched over, you want the person up there keeping an eye on you. Is that right? And so for the, the person who has their tent and they're ready to, to go to bed at night, you know, you have your routine, like you check the door, you know, you make sure that the dog's in or out. For, for some strange reason, we have like this family of skunks in our neighborhood. Uh, Micah knows what's up, Jenna knows what's up. And, and so, you know, I make sure my dog's in and not out, because the last thing I want is that dog to get sprayed with skunk juice. That would just be the worst. At any rate, you have like your, you have your, your routine, you know, you want to make sure that things are secure. So on the travel... For these guys, they would, they would look up and go, okay, we're being, you know, our security forces are there. We're good. We can go to bed, shut the flap of the tent, and maybe fall asleep with a little bit more peace, knowing that you're in unfamiliar territory. That's, that's one, one theory. And the theory is, is, it makes sense. And so for the psalmist, it would be like, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? It's kind of a question, isn't it? Is it from the sentries that are posted there? Or is it from the one who made the hill that they're standing on? Because then he says, my, my help, I mean, I'm sure he's grateful for them. We're grateful for security. It makes sense. But my help, my true help, doesn't come from the security guard. It comes from the one who made the hill that the security guard stands upon. My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. It begins to like give you a more of a, a robust sense of God being in charge, right? You following with me? The second thought is this, that when they look to the hills, the hills represented something in, in Old Testament or in Hebrew Scripture, and it, it, it represented a spirituality. You read about high places a lot. And in these high places are where foreign deities, false gods would place their altars, right? And everything in, in this ancient world was extremely superstitious, right? And, and you would want to make sure that all gods were appeased. And so there's this other thought process, too, of I look up to, do you look up to the hills to find your security and making sure that you're, all your false gods are appeased and that your superstitions are answered for and that you didn't do this or that or whatever else? Or do you look up to the hills to see the one who made the hills is there protecting you? And so this is the, the sense of what's going on. It made me think, and, and, and hopefully you can make the leap with me, because I think this is an important moment culturally for us as well. And it, it made me think about like some news that was happening this week in terms of where we look to for help. Like, where is our sense of security? Again, the children of Israel were saying, and the, the question that was being questioned was, is your security in like super good armed forces, right? Like, so I know I have solid people that are watching me, is your security in supernatural things outside of God, let's say, making sure that, you know, you, you didn't, you, at all like superstitious things are fulfilled, or is your security in Him? 
And, and I thought, where do we find our help? And maybe it's a, a question for you. Like, where does true help come from? Where does that sense of peace come from? And so in the news this week, you, you might have, have watched some of the, um, the uh, testifying, on, uh, against, um, testifying against, testifying to Congress regarding uh, AI from um, Sam Altman from OpenAI. Are you, you familiar with any of this stuff? So if, if you're not familiar with it, you ought to be a little bit familiar with it because it's a crazy time in our world in this particular moment. So artificial intelligence, that's what AI stands for. It's no longer like, you know, movies that we watched, but it's a, it's a technology that is, is present and real for us today. And ChatGPT, which is an open form, you can write in any question on the internet, right? You could say, hey, um, draw me a picture of something that looks like Monet, but I want it to look like a dragon, and blah, blah, blah. You could put in all these, these sort of... Uh, prompts and the the artificial intelligence that search engine or whatever it is I don't know the proper terminology searches all the known body of information on the internet and within seconds really spits out beautiful artwork that's printable another example and this is not science fiction okay I have a point with this please stay with me for a minute you could say write me a book on grace God's grace and Reference Calvin and um, Tim Keller, who recently just went home to be with the Lord, who is an amazing, amazing theologian, and reference their work and write a book for me, 300 pages, and print it in a PDF. And in moments, all that body of information will spit out a book that you could then go to your local place and say, here's a PDF, print it, and then I could come on Sunday and go, here's my book on grace. Am I make, Joel, you know this. Am I making this stuff up? Sometimes Joel goes, hey, look what ChatGPT did. <laughs> Kelsey, it's messing up school, isn't it, for teachers? Right? Hey, write a paper. Really good. Make some mistakes on it so it doesn't look like I cheated. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. I bring this up because we could quickly go, okay, help looks like this. It's certain. It's quick. It's artificial. It's artificial. And what's important is not to, to demonize technology, because some technology will be used for good purposes. I mean, there's some good stuff you can imagine using all that technology. And part of what Sam Alton's, who knows his motives or whatever else, but part of what he said was like, let's make sure we really regulate this stuff. Because it could do some damage to the world. But my point to you is don't forget what it means to be human. And the Psalms help us understand what it means to be human. Scott and I had some great opportunity when we were in Nashville at that conference hearing from some experts in this area to understand um, where technology is heading us. But it's now more than ever that we realize who our God is and what the Word says. So are we going to look to ChatGPT for wisdom? I'm going to tell you that you're not going to find wisdom in artificial intelligence. And to be human means to go through process. And so to be human means to, to, to look at God's word, which God's word says, what do you do when you're in distress? Type in blah, 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 blah. It says when you're in distress, you cry out to the Lord and the Lord answers. And how many of you have cried out to the Lord and the Lord's answered and it's taken more than four seconds? 
So when you know you have another option, that you could literally begin a relationship with something else that gets just it gets it quicker for you. Can you see in this area of our lives the potential danger? Again, my intent is not to demonize technology because as I've said, you can use it for good things, but it's a point in God's word where we can stop and go, what's the difference between God and chat GPT? Number one, God is the author of all things. He is the creator of the hill. That, that God is the source of all wisdom and that all wisdom and truth comes from him and always will come from him. And part of being human means that we enter into a relationship with him that takes time and process. Secondly, for us, and now more than ever, don't lose your creativity. Don't submit your creativity to a machine that will give you creative outputs quicker. Stay true to the gift of God in you because you were created in the image of God. That even though there's a machine that can put out like meticulous artwork, Learn to take the time, the effort to do meticulous artwork for the glory of God. Even though there's a machine that can write a poem, take the time to sit in the presence of God and think about the person or the one that you're writing about and write poetry. It's important. Creativity is the signature. This is a quote that I heard from a philosopher. Creativity and art is the signature of humanity. It's it's beautiful. And it's not just because it makes beautiful things, because it points to the beautiful maker of the hills. Are you following with me? It's so right now, this moment, and so deeply important. And so don't lose, don't lose your intellectual abilities. Don't lose your curiosity. Don't lose your creativity to something that you have access to in your pocket that can give you an immediate answer. Don't skip to the back of the book. That was the cheat move when, when I couldn't figure out the math. Um, and I'm like, oh, it's in the back of the book? And you go to the back of the book and flip it upside down or whatever. They're... This is that on like Uber steroids. And so I'm off my soapbox, but I think it's important that we talk about these things and that you're, you're considering it. And, and again, that you are before the Lord reminded of what it means to be human to have emotions, to have curiosity, to have creativity, and to have trust in God. And so, as we jump back into the psalm, um, I, actually, I want to I say this. I want to read this. this is something that, um, that I'd written down, and I'll just say what I'd wrote down, is that your creativity is what sets you apart from machines that can be programmed to learn. You're a living soul that is brought to life through the breath of the Spirit. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you're, you're a living soul brought to life through the breath of the Spirit, according to, the, to, to Genesis. You have the ability to love and be loved. And be very careful that this is artificial and it will not love you. And you cannot love it. This is one possible area where you can be dangerously close to idol worship and not know it. And so... Don't, um, I mean, realize that, that you're not going to be loved by it. And this one expert that we heard said it so very clearly. It'll never love you back. And it's very important to always remember that when you're working with this technology, that it is, in fact, artificial, right? Keep that in mind. AI, artificial intelligence. Amen?
The second verse, I think we've only gotten to the first. The second verse says that my help comes from the Lord who makes heaven and earth. And then in the third, it says that he will not let your foot slip. He will not let your foot be moved, it says in the ESV. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The guard that might be watching over you could, could get sleepy and fall asleep, but God never will. That God never even is a little bit tired. He's, he's, he never breaks down, you know. He, he doesn't crash. That our God ne- neither slumbers nor sleeps, but watches over us always. He's constant. And he's stable. And these are the characteristics of his help to us. That the Lord is, and you're going to see this like six times. The Lord is your keeper. Everybody say keeper. Keeper. That word means like he's a protector and a defender of you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. This is very important as we understand this. Because um, I know we have just a little bit of time. And we're going to about, about to get into some tough territory. Because as you're reading all of this. And you're, you're hearing how much God is a helper. And how much he defends you and protects you. You have to ask the question. Then why does bad things. Why does tragedy come my way? Either the psalm is wrong. Or I'm wrong. Right? And so we have to like have a new framework to understand this stuff. And as we look at it and we go, okay, it says that he will not be moved. He doesn't slumber nor sleep. He is our defender. He is our keeper. He's our shade. And then it says that he is the defense or the shade at our right hand. The right hand symbolizes strength. And in the framework of understanding, um, we, we can't interpret the scripture to say that bad things will never happen to Christians because bad stuff happens to Christians. We can't, through this framework, um, say that if bad stuff happens to Christians, they must not be really looking to God for help. That is the worst, most dangerous theology that any person can believe. I didn't get healed because my faith wasn't enough. I, I got in a car accident because I did something bad and God's keeping score, right? It's a misunderstanding of his grace. It's very important to not think this way. So how are we supposed to think? If he is our defense and our shade at our right hand, our shade means our strength. And it means this, and as we read it a little bit more, you're going to see that he keeps you from all evil. How many of you know that there is evil that is lurking, that evil that desires to do exactly what, what God said and to the first murderer in the Bible? It's lurking and it's trying to master you, but you've got to master it. As Peter says that, that there's this lion who's roaring, a predatorial creature that long, longs to just destroy your life. Those are realities about the enemy of your soul, but the realities about the helper, our God, and our defender are far greater. It does no good to go, oh, don't talk about that. That creeps me out. We've got to talk about that. But what we're more impressed with is the one who defends us. And the fact that he keeps us from evil is that he keeps us from the evil one, from the evil intents. That yes, there are tragedies that we'll go through and difficulties that we endure. Jesus himself said it. But the shade at our right hand means that we're going to be stronger as a result. The shade at your right hand means he's preserving your strength through the trial that you endure. And that he is not asleep or slumbering as he does it. Does that make any sense? Let's read some more. It says um, in verse 6 that the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The sun and the moon had meaning for for these ancient people. The sun corresponded to physical ailments, right? And so as they're on their journey and they have this protector and this defender and this helper that's watching over them, he's watching over them from the, the physical harm of the sun. And that one makes sense to me. Have you ever been in the sun too long? And you just it just sneaks up on you, man. 
Um, I remember when I was a kid one time, I was fishing, and I just kept fishing. I wasn't drinking water. I was just fishing, 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 not catching, but fishing. <laughs> Super hot. I just remember all of a sudden, just got so thirsty, just like, I, I mean, I'll never forget that feeling. I don't know what it was, um, if it was whatever, heat stroke or whatever. I mean, I've done too much research. I'm saving you on right now of all the symptoms of heat stroke because I'm out of time. But so that may not have been heat stroke. But anyways, whatever it was for me as a kid, I was affected by the sun. We know what that is. That one makes sense. But the, the, the second one that, that we read about that he says he'll protect us is from the moon also. And so for ancient people, the moon, if the sun corresponded to protection from physical stuff, the moon um, corresponded to mental things, to anxieties, to, to things that ail us in our head. And man, is it not epidemic for us as a people to battle with things that are in just going after our minds? I know I've said this to you before, but I'm reminded of uh, my friend from Nigeria. And this was many years ago, and I was getting ready to go to Africa. And I was telling him, man, I'm, I'm super nervous about malaria. The sun. I'm super ner- nervous about malaria. And he was like, what? He was so confused. I mean, he had grown up in Africa. He had had malaria. He, you know, he said, you're, you're nervous about malaria? He goes, I'm nervous. We were in Europe at the time, and he says, I would be more nervous to go to America. I go, why? I'm nervous about anxiety. I'm nervous about um, all the mental health issues that plague your land. He says, at least with a malaria, I know a mosquito <laughs> got into my blood, and there's treatment for it. But when things plague your mind, that's a whole new category that produced fear for him. Does anybody relate to what my friend said? Yeah, that was many years ago that he said that. I'm like, okay, well, that makes total sense. So now as I'm reading this psalm going, I have the promise of God who's a helper that not only promises to help my physical protection, but he makes a promise to watch over my mind from the evil that, could, that the enemy could intend through penetrating my mind with anxiety, with fear, with all other kinds of garbage that we face in our world. Powerful, right? This is the promise of our God. And it says that he will, he will protect you. Um, and then it says the Lord will, will keep or protect you from all evil. He will protect your life. The Lord will keep you. You're going out and you're coming in from this time forevermore. When I, when I read that again, um, I just had to sit and go, but Lord, I, I get it and I preach it and I believe it that you are our protector. But Lord, what about the things that we endure? What about the things that I've endured in my life? What about the things that you're enduring? This can't just be a, nope, God said it, it's going to happen, you're going to be all good. When we're faced with stuff, the point that I believe scripture is bringing us to is this really beautiful reality that God is providential, that God knows the events of our life, that he knows the beginning from the end, and he knows the realities of things working together, and that there are the things that we walk through with his help that keep us from evil. And that is what the scripture says, that it keeps us from evil. In fact, if you were to read Isaiah chapter 61, it's one of the most beautiful passages about who Jesus is to us. It says that he will comfort all who mourn. He will provide for those who grieve. And the result of his comfort and the result of his ministry to us is that, listen, we will be called oaks of righteousness, 
the planting of the Lord, the display of his splendor. So if I was to stand before you and give you a message that says God is your helper and, he, and nothing bad is ever going to happen to you, I would not be telling you the truth. But if I was to stand before you and say that with every tragedy, with every difficulty that happens in your life, you have a God who is providential, who knows the beginning from the end and who cares for you and he will keep you from evil and you, if you stay faithful to him and stay under his covering, you will be stronger for what you've endured than you were prior to enduring it. That is the beauty of our God. He keeps you from evil. And that's the encouragement that I want to give you if you're in the midst of something right now. And chances are, most of us are. He's with you. And he's keeping you from evil. Someone's phone's ringing. You should just answer it. Okay, just kidding. So, so listen. This is another, this is the second part. Stick with me. I'm, I'm going I'm to land right here. Maybe. Psalm 91. I love that psalm. How many of you love Psalm 91? If, if, you, if you didn't raise your hand, just fake it like you got the answer right in church. Like, yes, I love that psalm. Psalm 91 is another one of these psalms that speaks to God's protection. It was interesting because um, during that, that pandemic that we used to have, remember that? <laughs> it's over now. But... Um, but I remember like in the onset of it, when like fear was beginning to rise, Psalm 91 was a constant prayer. I was praying it over our congregation. I was praying it over my life. And, and it says that, that no plague will come near your tent. That was my favorite one. I remember praying it and praying it and going, well, you no COVID here. Not going to happen at Bridge Community Church. And I remember statistically, we're like, nope, no COVID this week. Nope, no COVID that week. Nope, nope. And we're just like in it. No COVID happening. Because no plague was coming near our tent. And then we got the first call. <laughs> oh, that sinner got COVID. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then when Scott and I got COVID on a camping trip, and then I guess people started getting it. Did it wreck my theology? No, because having walked through it, I realized, oh, okay, this is what that is. And maybe part of my theology in that moment was taking a portion of Scripture going, nope, I'm standing on this and no one will get it. And I'm God, I'm going to tell you how you're going to keep me from evil. God, I'm going to tell you how you're going to keep me out of tragic ways. I'm going to tell you how you're going to keep me from inconveniences and from, you know, stuff that I don't want to do. Because, man, look at me. I'm your servant. And I'm taking care of your people. Do you see how subtle we can take God's word and miss the providential character of God? God's faithful, and he's good, and he keeps us from evil. And I want to read you Psalm 91, and I want to read it and give you some context. It says this, Psalm 91, verse 9. The first thing that it says as I jump into it, it says a conditional statement. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. What does it say? No evil shall befall you. No plague will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone, and you will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent will tra you'll trample under your foot, because he holds fast to me in love. Do you see that, your part? He holds fast to me in love. I will deliver him. I will protect him, because he knows my name. 
When he calls, I will answer him. Now listen to this part. All that's awesome. I was like, name it and claim it on all of that. When he calls me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You know, I focused on the other things, and there was one line in there that I didn't want to focus on, and so often we don't want to focus on. It says, I will be with him in trouble. If he was going to keep us out of everything, then why would that line be in there that he'd be with us in trouble? And that is the focus, and that I think is, is the heart of, of Psalm 121, is that you have a God who's watching over you. You have a God who's aware of every single thing on the journey as you follow him. And that he will keep you, and he will defend you, and he will make you stronger through whatever adversity that you face. And that he neither slumbers nor sleeps, but he's watching, and he's with you. Sometimes, though, I believe we need help to see what we can't see, right? We need help to see what we can't see. Do you remember Elisha? And uh, the king of Syria didn't like Elisha for a number of reasons, and he was coming to take him. And the chariots, he's, the king of Assyria sends his special forces, right? That he is going to just, yes, I know, brother. I know, I know, 1125, give me five minutes. I'm just, I'm just messing. The, the king of Assyria is, is, is coming, and, and the taunts are there, and, and he's bringing, like I said, his special forces. And it's just Elisha and Elisha's servant, Right? And you guys know the story. This is like the best story ever. It says, When the servant of the man of God arose early in the morning and went out, and behold, an army with horses and chariots were all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Like, look at all the imminent threat. Look at the trouble around us. And he said this, Elisha, Do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Do you believe that? When it doesn't look like that, when it doesn't feel like that, when you're in the midst of something, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then this part happens. Then Elisha prayed. This is his prayer. Oh Lord, please open his eyes that he might see. That's my prayer. Lord, open my eyes that I might see. Lord, open, your, open their eyes. Open your eyes. That you might see. And this is what he sees. And so the Lord opened the eyes of this young man. And he saw. And behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire that surrounded Elisha. That's a powerful scene. His chariots were better than their chariots. Like a flame job on them. Right? They were cool. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Does my help come from in my ability to arm myself? Does my help come in my ability to make sure that there are forces that could protect me? Or does my my help come from the one who made the mountain? God is trustworthy. God promises to keep us from evil. God promises us purpose in the midst of the storm. He promises us trouble too, but trouble that's not associated with evil. He keeps us from evil and from the evil intent of the enemy. And so I'd like to invite um, our guys to come back and, and just, we're going to have one last song of worship. And as every week, uh, we want to give you the opportunity, 
if there's something that you need prayer for, if there's something going on in your life that, that is a, a difficulty, that you're in the midst of a trouble, troubling time. And like that, that Psalm 91, um, it says this condition that when we make the most high our dwelling, right? And so, so that we meet, might just have this opportunity to reaffirm, God, I, I'm going through this stuff. I don't quite understand why or what. But in this journey, you're my helper. And I want to come to you for help. It says in, in there that no evil comes near your tent, right? No plague and no evil. And my encouragement to you is draw near to God in this moment and realize that evil is knocking at your door. Don't invite it in your tent. Don't invite it in your tent. Don't make unintentional relationships with dark things. There's many ways that that you can do that. You can agree with the lie that the devil says over your life, and now you're in a relationship. Do you follow me? When when he's exposing lies, or when lies are coming into your brain, I don't agree with that. That's not consistent with God's word. I'm not in that relationship. That, That one's over. I'm in a relationship with God. He is my helper. Don't let evil in your tent. But keep your eyes on the one who made the hills. He's faithful. Amen? Man, let's stand together. And as I had said before, and we're going to just have this, this last song of worship. If there's prayer that you might need or, or someone that you'd like to just stand with and say, hey, I'm, I'm going through something and I need help to, to see where the Lord is at in it. Don't, don't allow yourself to be alone. Receive the prayer that you need. God, we come to you and even in this song, Lord, we realize that, that there is a, a secret place in you, a place of safety, a, d- a dwelling place in you, that you are our helper. And Holy Spirit, we, we welcome you here in this moment. Thank you, God. Where will you run, my soul? run dry When the wind starts to blow How you gonna keep this flame alive In the fading light when night is breaking I know you will always be waiting You'll always be To the secret place where you are, where you are. I'll sing to you of all the ways you stole my heart, stole my heart. Better is a moment that I spend with you than a million other days away. I'm running, I'm running, I'm running to the secret place. Fading light when night is breaking 
Close your eyes as I read this prayer over you. And it's a prayer that um, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. It's very similar to the prayer that Elisha prayed. It's a prayer that I, I, I hope will affirm to you. I, my, my desire this morning, the message that I think comes from Psalm 121, and that's that we're not going to look for help in something artificial that promises to produce immediate results. We're not going to look for help ultimately in our own ability to watch over ourselves or others. But we're going to look to God for the help that He promises because He's the maker of all things and His processes and His time and His redemption and His providence. All these things are, are powerful. And they make us who we are as humans. They make us who we are as, as pilgrims on a journey following him to become more like Jesus. He sets the pace and we follow. And here's what Paul wrote. It says, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, 
having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you might know the hope to which he has called you to. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ as he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. God, may the eyes of our hearts be open to the greatness of you and to the power of Jesus. You're the ruler of it all and you're worthy of it all. And Lord, may you rest heavily upon your people today. May, may each one choose to submit to you and your agenda and your will and your way, trusting in your providence, not looking to the right or to the left, but Lord, being held, by the palm, held in the palm of your hand and covered by you. Lord, thank you that you've overcome the evil one and that we stand in victory knowing that you, God, are our help. So I bless your people. May they know the depth of your love. May they know the depth of your protection, God. May they know the depth of your wisdom and knowledge and grace over their lives. Inspire them, encourage them, God. Make them more like you, Jesus. And I submit myself to that process. We thank you for this journey. We look to you. You're where our help comes from. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your people now, I pray in your precious name. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. And if you need prayer, please come.